Now it's time for Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf, the number one relationship advice radio show in the U.S. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask Dr. Love. It's my pleasure to be with you again this week. We are streaming live on my YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Love. And the audio and video recordings of this show are going to be posted a couple of days from now on this weekly show page. And again, the show broadcasts in five of the top 10 U.S. terrestrial radio markets, reaching 40 million listeners. And in addition to airing uh, on WCKG in Chicago, WWWE in Atlanta, KDOW in San Francisco, Cisco, WBNW in Boston. I want to say a special hello to my two new stations, KKNW in Seattle and KCAA in San Bernardino and LA. You can also grab the show recordings on all your favorite spot, your podcast apps, Spotify, iHeart, whatever you, whatever floats your podcast boat. And remember to submit all your questions to me at askdrlove.com forward slash questions. And I love hearing from you. I'll do my best to answer your questions on air. So without further ado, on to today's show, the dirty truth about how antidepressants increase the risk of acts of violence with my guest, Benjamin J. Bathin. So I want to tell you a little bit about Benjamin. He was a technical artist in the video game industry. He graduated from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. He had a degree in 3D animation from there. He moved on to work as a technical artist at both the Disney Virtual Reality Studio and Harmonix Music Systems on the video game The Beatles Rock Band. He's completed multiple computer science courses at the Harvard Extension School and UCLA Extension. And then the poop hit the fan, as they say. From around 2004 to 2008, Ben consulted a therapist who adamantly recommended the SSR I, antidepressants, Prozac, and Lexapro, and he developed a series of conditions. The first was akathisia. That's a state of agitation, distress, or restlessness that is a side effect of antipsychotic and antidepressant drugs. He also developed tardive dyskinesia, an involuntary neurological movement disorder caused by the use of dopamine receptor blocking drugs that are prescribed for um, psychiatric or GI conditions, and he developed serotonin toxicity, a drug-induced condition caused by too much serotonin in the synapses in the brain, all as the result of taking the uh, generic form of Lexapro. Now, the same therapist who spent four years convincing him to take antidepressant medication then had him charged and convicted of three counts of PC-422 criminal threats for calling her emergency phone number during an adverse reaction to the meds and screaming crazy threats. He was sentenced to two years in the California State Penitentiary and served 10 and a half months in prison, where he went through psychiatric drug withdrawal in a single cell environment at the Chino California Institution for Men. Since his release, a CYP450 DNA analysis conclusively proved that the incidents he was convicted of were caused by the known serious adverse side effects of SSRI antidepressants. His case is still under appeal by a writ of habeas corpus in the Federal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Since then, Mr. Bathin has worked as a user interface developer for Google as a third-party contractor, and he has created several websites to warn people about the potential side effects of SSRI medication. One website is antidepressantstatistics.com, and the other is wrongfulconvictions.com. So without further ado, welcome, Ben. <laughs> that, was, that was a mouthful. You should... You should get an award for making it full that, through that. I think you only took one or two breaths. And I, I know, but it's so important to say everything. So let's just jump right in and give everybody watching and listening a sense of your story because it's horrible what I, you know, what I read in your intro, but I want to hear from your mouth what you went through. Right. Uh, well, first off, thanks so much for having me on the show. Like I was telling you before, this is one of the first times that I've been able to speak about this publicly. 
uh, you know, because of all the litigation that's going on. But I, I think it is very important to make sure that the public is aware of this and that they know, you know, right now, one in five Americans is taking some type of a psychoactive substance. And the warnings that are coming from the FDA and what the doctors are telling them when they're prescribed those medications do not include all the reactions that can occur as a result of, of taking those medications. And so, the reactions such as becoming violent, suicidal, homicidal, these reactions are more common than people know. Right. Uh, so the reactions are actually do include, if you go to the FDA database, do include reactions as extreme as homicide. That, that is a known reaction to some of these medications, which I think is uh, stunning. Um, but to get into my story, between 2004 and 2008, I, I was in a stressful career field. I was working in the video game industry. Uh, it's long hours, uh, you know, and it's, it's unstable. Money's uncertain. Um, so, you know, it can sound glamorous. I, I worked at Rockstar Games. They're the guys that make Grand Theft Auto. I worked at uh, Disney down in Hollywood, California. I was an animator for them for about three years. And, and during that time period, I consulted with a therapist. Uh, and that was mostly about just the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm working a lot. I, I don't have much of a social life. Uh, I, you know, I don't like sitting in a, you know, I was straight out of school. I don't like sitting in an office cubicle, having a crappy office job like everybody else. Right. Um, and within the first couple of sessions, right. The first session is you're filling out paperwork and going through all the, uh, waivers and, and signing paperwork and things like that. Uh, she, she immediately began to recommend, what at the time was probably uh, the most common treatment, which is Prozac. She right? being the therapist. The therapist, right. Uh, which I later found out is, is completely outside of the scope of her practice. As a side D, she's not supposed to be discussing specific medications and dosages or, or what a patient should or should not be taking. Um, and initially, I declined. Uh, that was because I, I grew up on military bases. There's a stigma, you know, about it. And, and basically, the military has all kinds of rules about antidepressants. That's changed recently, especially after um, Iraq and Afghanistan. But this would have been in 2004. So eventually she sat me down, she wrote out the word fluoxetine, 60 milligrams, that's the uh, chemical ingredient in Prozac, handed it to me and said, it's my moral and ethical obligation to make sure that you're taking this medication. Um, and then continued with, with statements along those lines for therapy once or twice a month for the next four years, right? This was actually malpractice on her part. Because all the research shows that talking therapy is as effective as medication, often cases more effective. And so to force the meds on you just said to me that she didn't know how to do talking therapy. That's the only way I can understand what she did. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Hey, you I'm know, just I'm saying it the way it is. I'm just <laughs> saying it the way it is. And um, in well, many cases, like I said, talking is more effective. People have better outcomes. They say it's cognitive therapy because that's like the most popular form of therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. But that's not the kind of therapy I practice. Um, and people, their depression lifts just from talking therapy. And also, we now know low magnesium is linked to depression and all kinds of psychiatric conditions. But in any case, she twisted your arm and forced you to take these drugs and then had you come in twice a month. And did you start having bad side effects as soon as you began taking yes. the drugs? Within a couple of weeks, I started experiencing side effects. I probably had a low level 
akathisia, insomnia. Um, it can cause a whole bunch of sexual issues. It's, it's terrible stuff. That is very true. That is very true. And, you know, we have to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Okay. We'll break with the sexual dysfunction. We'll come back to that. Hi, it's Dr. Jamie Turndorf here. Are you feeling stressed out or suffering panic attacks, aches and pains or stiff muscles, low energy, angry outbursts or disturbed sleep? Or are you worried or depressed or feeling hopeless, like the world is coming to an end? Where you're not eating right or exercising or falling into self-damaging or addictive behaviors like binging on junk food, TV or the internet? Or abusing drugs or alcohol, figuring what's the point? Or maybe work is getting on your last nerve or your relationships are falling apart? If you said yes to any of my questions, you are likely suffering what I call the new global PTSD pandemic stress syndrome triggered by the coronavirus pandemic. Don't despair. My energetic system upgrade is your rescue remedy for the panic epidemic that is plaguing our world. The energetic system upgrade has already changed the lives of some of today's top leaders. Now you can experience your own energetic system upgrade healing transformation. I'm offering a limited number of discounted sessions for my radio listeners. Visit AskDrLove.com forward slash energetic system upgrade. Don't wait. Visit AskDrLove.com forward slash energetic system upgrade are you a business looking to expand across the usa ask dr love broadcasts in five of the top 10 u.s radio markets reaching 40 million listeners offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group for a surprisingly reasonable rate everyone is concerned about their relationships there is no other radio relationship advice show presented anywhere else in the usa by advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? To ask Dr. Love, I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf. We're talking with Benjamin L. Bathin about the dirty truth on how antidepressants increase the risks of acts of violence. Before we took the break, you made that mention in passing about how sexual dysfunction is a common side effect. And I have to t- I've never told anybody this. I was in a train crash and I had a lot of pain. And the neurologist insisted that I use antidepressants. I wasn't depressed. Next thing you know, within a few days, I'm dead from the neck down. I'm not kidding. Dead. And this was so depressing to me to be dead that I just said, screw this. I stopped the medication and my depressed feeling lifted because I wasn't dead anymore. Well, you know, you and right before the break, you made a point that I, I think is really worth restating. Cognitive behavioral therapy reduces the chances that a patient will commit suicide by 50%, right? Just sitting down and talking to them, talk therapy. Medication, right, SSRI antidepressants, actually doubles the chances that a patient will commit suicide. It increases the chances that they're going to kill themselves. Because of one of these little discussed side effects, that these devastating side effects, that your risk of increased violence against yourself in the form of suicide or outward in the, fo- in the form of mass shootings, right? I, th- I believe that there is, there is research about the people who go off and do mass violence and mass shootings that they are on these SSRIs. There is. There is a definite correlation between the mass shootings and SSRI antidepressants. So, for example, at Columbine High School, Eric Harris was on Lovox, uh, and they know that because he attempted to enlist in the military uh, shortly before the shootings and was rejected due to the fact that he had used antidepressants. Uh, Dylan Klebold, according to interviews with his friends, was on Paxil and Zoloft. Adam Lanza uh, in Newtown, Connecticut, they will not release the medical records, right? They, they won't make those public. But we do know that he had a documented adverse reaction to Lexapro, the same medication that I was issued 
uh, a couple of years before that shooting. I know that's true because I studied his case and I write, wrote quite a few articles about him. So I know that what you're saying is correct. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something else. This we need to talk about as well. People do not realize that if you try to get off these medications, they are so addictive. People go through horrendous withdrawal reactions. They call it discontinuation syndrome, withdrawal phenomenon, rebound phenomenon. I had a patient who was a psychotherapist who had been put on the same drug, Lexapro, for depression and anxiety. And when she tried to come off of it, her symptoms were worse than they ever were before she went on the meds and she thought she was losing her mind. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Discontinuation syndrome is very serious. And in, there was a lawsuit in Florida. Uh, a man named Andrew Tibalt sued the FDA and forced the release of close to 800 records of these adverse reactions to SSRI medications. And in many cases, uh, patients commit either an aggressive act or an act of violence on the medication, but that also happens, and it's every bit as dangerous, when they are coming off of the medication. That's right. That's uh, so transitioning right. onto or coming off of the medication is one of the most dangerous times. And uh, you can actually die if you, some people will stop cold turkey, and that can actually kill you. Yeah, I did. When I went to prison, I no longer had access to the medication. Um, you know, so I, yeah, coming off of that stuff was, was horrific. Uh, and I did it in a um, uh, single cell environment at uh, the Chino California Institution. I don't know how you did that, which shows how strong you are. We have to take a break. We'll okay. be right back. Hi, it's Dr. Jamie Turndorf. Did you know only one stress, one accident, or one illness can trigger PTSD? And did you know that all the stress associated with the pandemic has created what I call the new global PTSD pandemic stress syndrome? And don't be so quick to say, I don't have PTSD, because many conditions like depression, anxiety, pain syndrome, sleep disorders, and sexual dysfunctions are PTSD in disguise. And don't be fooled, even after the pandemic is behind us. Us, your PTSD will not go away by itself. Hope is in sight. In my latest book, If You Think You Don't Have PTSD, Think Again, I share a simple, research-backed, drug-free program for reversing the new global PTSD pandemic stress syndrome, a solution your doctor doesn't likely know about. Read If You Think You Don't Have PTSD, Think Again today and be on the road to recovery right away. If You Think You Don't Have PTSD, Think Again became a number one international bestseller within 24 hours of its publication. Grab your copy on Amazon and find out why. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Dr. Love broadcasts in five of the top 10 U.S. radio markets reaching 40 million listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group for a surprisingly reasonable rate. Everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other radio relationship advice show presented anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Benjamin L. Bathin about the dirty truth on how antidepressants increase the risk of acts of violence. Before we went to break, you started to say that you withdrew from these SSRIs, cold turkey, in a single cell environment in prison. Why didn't they help you titrate off the meds? Why were you put through this horror? Well, actually, there's a there's a lawsuit right now in the California penitentiary system. It's called the Coleman lawsuit, and what that is is several people, and I think their their hearts are in the right place, but maybe not their heads, uh, sued the state of California 
saying that it was cruel and unusual for uh, people within prison to not have access to their medications, right? Um, the results of that are mixed. Uh, one thing I think is extremely disturbing is medications uh, of this type. Uh, so Prozac, Seroquel, Remeron, uh, in prison, there's, there's no money. You can't have cash, right? Uh, and so they use the medications as a form of currency. They sell them. They, well, they it's sell them? it's bartering, it's trading. So oh, they I'll trade give, them. In the, okay. I'll give you two Prozacs and a Remeron for that hot pot a seroquel and a pack of ramen noodles oh right? my oh my goodness okay uh, i get it and so you got to remember this is an environment where you can get stabbed to death for talking to a member of a different race right if you give food to a member of a different race i mean literally half the guys in there i was on level four for like two or three nights and half the guys in there are schizophrenic uh, so handing this stuff out to these guys is questionable, but to get back to my story, uh, so we continued with therapy. I was under treatment with Prozac first. We switched to Lexapro later because it has less sexual side effects. Uh, and throughout all the therapy sessions, the advice I received was, okay, you will have to take these types of medications on and off for the rest of your life oh, to manage the symptoms of depression. Oh, but couldn't you just stay on it a little bit longer? And I kept saying, you know, I'm really not comfortable taking this stuff. Can we reduce the dosage? You know, oh, but couldn't you just take it until you get to Los Angeles? I can notice a major change in your voice. I remember specifically oh that when we transitioned from Prozac to Lexapro, she specifically said, we've finally found the right medication for you. I can notice a major change in your voice, right? But she wasn't uh, listening to what you were saying about how you felt. Right. Yeah. And Who cares what she hears in your voice? She was wiping out your emotional reality and your physical reality of the side effects you were having. Right. And there's an author, Dr. Peter Bregan. Uh, he's from Harvard up in. Uh, I know uh, him. He was on the show recently. Yeah. yeah, he's brilliant. I love him. He's a wonderful man. Uh, but in his writings, he goes over a lot of the patients will come back to the therapy sessions. And you got to remember this stuff is. In the same class as amphetamines, it's speed, it's an upper, right? And so in the therapy sessions, they may report, hey, I feel great, right? Or I feel more energetic, uh, but that doesn't necessarily match the reality of what's actually going on in their life, right? In your life, you were suffering horrendous symptoms you were feeling incredibly anxious which you hadn't felt before like to this degree right well, not to that degree uh the other so thing the symptom you had got worse yes and the other thing i think that is key uh that i really want to bring to people's attention is each time that you transition off of the medication and then go back on the medication each time that the medication is reintroduced those symptoms become dramatically worse so this every time you go back on the medication the side effects increase dramatically and so when homicides or suicides occur on these medications in many cases it's the second time that can happen years later right so like for example there was a female patient who contacted me who had been on Paxil for six years and claimed that she was fine. Uh, she transitioned it and was off of it for like six months. They went, put her back on Paxil at 10 milligrams and she went completely psychotic and ended up getting involuntarily hospitalized, right? You uh, know, I have a patient now whose son tried to get off these drugs just this last month and he became completely psychotic. He's in a psych ward now. Yes. And a lot of times when that happens, the doctors are trying to help. But they've been trained throughout their entire education that the best form of help is medication, right? So, 
but because if you're talking to a psychiatrist, they don't even take one psychology course in their training. So they're trained to give drugs. And I was on staff at a very posh private psychiatric hospital when I began my career. And they were told to say to all the patients, you're going to need this drug the rest of your life. So what, you have a Paxil deficiency? You have a Prozac deficiency? What? It's, what? what, what? But what did people do before there was Paxil, right? I mean, it's, they couldn't possibly make it through life without Paxil. Right. Uh, and in many cases, the doctors do not recognize that it is, in fact, the drug that is causing that type of a reaction, right? It can cause akathisia, which is this form of psychomotor restlessness. It makes it impossible to sit still. The patients become extremely agitated. They become extremely violent uh, in many cases. Uh, but did this happen to you? Yes, absolutely, 100%. This happened to you. And you had no history of violence before? No, absolutely not. I, I uh, have a college degree. I, you know, I went to night school at Harvard. I was a Disney animator. I had no history Just a very, of And you have a kind of mellow presentation. You yeah. Uh, so what happened was many years later in 2017, uh, my doctor took me off of, I was then on Wellbutrin um, because my blood pressure had gone up to, you know, un unbelievable levels. And he believed that was the cause of this increase in blood pressure. And he said, you know, were there any other medications that worked? And I said, I'm supposed to take Lexapro, just like my therapist always told me, this is the right medication for me. I'm supposed to take it on and off for the remainder of my life, right? <sighs> that was then the second time that I started on Lexapro when I developed akathisia. I was sitting in my office uh, in Northern Virginia, uh, when my, my supervisors decided to schedule a meeting because they noticed that I was getting up from my seat every three to five minutes and pacing back and forth. And, and one of the key issues here is that patients can't monitor themselves because it's affecting, you know, their, their cognitive abilities. I was totally unaware of the fact that this was happening. But it was a cybersecurity company that I was working for. And so they had actually gone back and pulled my badge. And, you know, you have an electronic badge to get in or out of the building. And it turned out for the last month and a half, you've been entering and exiting the building compulsively every three to five minutes. And you didn't even know it. And no, I didn't know. I was, oh. I don't know. You know, the best answer that I could give them was, I don't know what's going on i just feel really nervous and right? you didn't even connect at the time that you were having these toxic reactions to the ssris you didn't no, know absolutely not i did i did not in any way have any reason to believe that any of the problems in my life were connected to the medication or were the side effects of the medication and how did you finally figure it out uh, I went through psychiatric drug withdrawal in prison, and then after I lost the ability to control the movements of my oh. oh, this is uh, heartbreaking for you. You developed tardive dyskinesia, and you couldn't control your body movements. Basically, when a Samoan prison gang leader sits you down and says, I will have those motherfuckers stab you to death if you don't stop making weird faces. Oh, my. It becomes readily apparent that there is something medically wrong. And that was, and now the tears that just welled up in you, was, yeah. was, is it, what's the feeling? Is it, is it sadness? Is that, is that the memory of that is sadness? I don't think there's any way to describe it. It's like, that was like a bizarre form of chemical. But it, it's torture. so important to know when you cry, what the feeling is behind the tears. This is why I'm asking you because I want to understand what you're feeling when you cry. 
and maybe nobody's even asked you before, you know, so you're not aware of what it is. You know, the vast majority of the patients this happens to have absolutely no idea what happened. Do you understand that I'm asking you what you're feeling in this moment when, because, you know, when you get depressed, it's so important to know what feeling you're having from moment to moment. Because when the feelings go out of your awareness and go underground, they can morph into, into depression or into other kinds of psychiatric symptoms. So when you cried, when you remembered what that Samoan dude did to you, that's why I wanted to know, where the, was the tears sadness? Was it fear? Was it anger? Do you see what I mean? I wanted to tap into what you're feeling as you told me that portion of your story. I, I mean, I don't know if I would say it's an emotion. I mean, that's just what happened, you know? Okay, this is a blind spot for you, and I'm just telling you, okay? Tears are always connected to a feeling. You may not be aware of it, but it's something for you to want to watch for because, um, like I said, when we don't know what we're feeling, it morphs into psychiatric symptoms. So it's okay, but um, you have been through hell and back is what you've been through. This is such trauma. It is such a horror story. It's beyond belief. Now, I, I, I hate to take a break, but right. we have to take a break and we'll be back in a moment. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Dr. Love broadcasts in five of the top 10 U.S. radio markets reaching 40 million listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group for a surprisingly reasonable rate. Everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other radio relationship advice show presented anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If you yearn to get along better with your life partner or spouse, friends, family members, and even co-workers, Dr. Turndorf's best-selling Hay House book, Kiss Your Fights Goodbye, Dr. Love's 10 Simple Steps to Cooling Conflict and Rekindling Your Relationship, shows you how to turn conflict into connection for a lifetime of lasting love. To find out more, visit AskDrLove.com. Once again, here's Dr. Turndorf. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Benjamin L. Bathin about the little known truth of how antidepressants increase the risk of acts of violence. So, Ben, did you get beaten up in, in jail, in prison? No, I did not. I Thank stayed goodness. I'm right. glad they just threatened you, which is traumatizing enough. Traumatizing well, they, enough. they threaten everybody. Right. So prison is a whole different subject. We get into that late. We need a whole other show for that. Just for what you <laughs> went through in there. So, uh, but just so you know, the, the entire California penitentiary system is broken down into racially segregated gangs. And that is enforced by the guards in the employ of the state of California. Oh my. Right. Uh, so all that it's incredibly racist. I have no idea how that's legal. Um, and, you know, like the psychiatrist at the parole office, when I got out, asked me, are you in it? Were you in a gang? Everybody that's in the California state penitentiary is in a gang, right? They break it down by race. You're segregated the day that you walk in. There was one guy who said no, and they held a big meeting and said, you know, when this guy walks out of here, he needs to be leaking. And when the guards rolled him out, he was. Leaking, you mean as in bleeding? Yeah. They severely beat him. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know. 
you're, I'm grateful that that did, that you didn't get beaten, but I'm just, so, because when I listen to your story, it feels like one violation after another from the therapist who twisted your arm and misused her power to force you basically to take the drugs to the lack of informed consent that you didn't even know that these side effects of becoming violent and so on were a real possibility also to the malpractice that nobody even gave you which i think should be mandatory that they should give you the genetic testing the cyp450 dna testing to find out if you have the genetic predisposition to have bad side effects from these drugs that should be like required yeah, and I, I think an important point is that when Eli Lilly initially did the uh, controlled drug trials for this, they never tested it on people of different ethnicities, right? So, like, for example, my mother's family is Filipino. They can't drink alcohol. Her entire family doesn't, I mean, there's never any alcohol. And that's because they're they're allergic to it. I mean, if you give my mother half of a shot glass full of beer she'll turn beet red and pass out within five minutes. That's interesting. So, you know, uh, the CYP450 testing is based on, you know, do you have these liver enzymes? That's that right. It's, it's the detox pathways in the liver. And so if you can't process alcohol, you're also going to have problems processing the SSRIs. It's the same right. pathway. And so CYP450 testing can, can be good at predicting, you know, who is going to have one of these adverse reactions. But the other key point is that over the long term, the medication breaks down the ability of the liver to process anything, right? It, it breaks down your immune system anyway. And those medications were never intended for long-term use. So some patients are going to have more severe reactions more quickly, and some patients will not. But eventually, over the long term, all patients are going to start to display these symptoms. And right? the tardive dyskinesia is permanent forever. The, yes. uh, the tics. And now you don't have facial tics now, but do you have body tics? Oh, yeah. Big time. No, and I do have facial tics. That still happens... So TD can become permanent. Luckily, in my case, it was mostly when I was coming off of the drugs, but it does still happen. While I was working at Google, you know, that still happens in conference meetings. <laughs> Always when you don't it just, want it. It is, without a doubt, the weirdest thing on earth. The majority of TD patients end up secluding themselves because they just can't exist in, in society anymore. I mean, I maybe had like a level one, but there's people out there who just are, it's like they're in a permanent state of convulsion. The it's other hard. thing about tardive dyskinesia is when they, when they did research on it, they went and they interviewed patients who had this. Uh, they said, you know, do the involuntary facial contortions and the flailing your arms around the involuntary limb movements bother you? The answer they got from the patients was, what involuntary facial? That's the same. You did not know you had that until the Samoan inmate told you you had it. When, well, why I know I have it is because other people tell me, right? You don't feel it. I don't know when that's happening. If you were in front of the mirror when it was happening, you would see it. Possibly, but 95% of the patients who had this side effect tardive dyskinesia were completely unaware of their own involuntary movements, which are severe. I mean, it's not like yeah. mild blinking. I mean, these are people who simply cannot sit still. It's horrible. And I, I would imagine it interferes with sleep also, almost like a restless leg syndrome. I have, by the time the doctors have done that to somebody, they really should just euthanize them and call it a day. You know, it's horrible, it's, it gets to the point where it's cruel. It's just flat out cruel. You know, Ben, I want you to read my book. If you think you don't have PTSD, think again. The reason I'm saying this is because I took all the NIH published research that the doctors have, are not up on. They're too busy, you know, doing their day to day practice. And in it, I have a chapter on depression, anxiety, and um, 
bipolar disorder. And the research shows that these kinds of conditions, as well as many other conditions, are linked to low magnesium. Most all of us are too low in magnesium. And uh, the research also shows that the dosing of magnesium reverses these conditions. And of course, you can't make money on a on a, a drug patent because it's a food. Magnesium's a food. This is why I rec <laughs> I recommend it all over the place. I don't sell it. I'm not a distributor. I don't make commissions, but I recommend it to my audience, to my patients, and they have amazing results in reversing all kinds of psychiatric conditions, pain syndromes, high blood pressure, because magnesium is needed in over 1,040 enzymatic functions in the body. And the electromagnesium is what I recommend because you put it on the skin and it bypasses your digestion, your stomach, your, your liver. And it goes right into the bloodstream and starts reversing the symptoms. I've seen it with depression, with anxiety, instant shifts. And I, I would like you to also check it out. And I'll make sure, uh, you know, on the website, um, I talk about how to get it. It's Electra with a K, magnesium.com.au. If you use Jamie as a code, they give you a discount because I send so many people that way. And... I mean, this is like a mission for me. Use this nutrient before you start taking these dangerous drugs that don't reverse the underlying deficiency that is behind depression and anxiety. Right. So I, that's a very good point. And, and now that you've mentioned that, Eli Lilly is going to take out a patent on broccoli, right? <laughs> yeah, really, or on magnesium. And that's the whole thing. Reason why Big Pharma does try to block nutrients and block the information about it because you really you can't make money on it in that in the same way as you do and i you know before we go to break i want to tell you that i when i was on on staff in the psychiatric hospital i found out that the psychiatrists were getting kickbacks for prescribing these drugs so it's not a disinterested thing that they tell you oh you need this for the rest of your life many of them own stock in the companies and they make money prescribing it there's there's a lot going on here that people don't realize that that is a very good point and i actually wrote down some facts that i i wanted to go over all right hold the facts we have to take a break okay. you can give me these facts when we come right back see you in a minute. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish your relationship and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, visit AskDrLove.com slash griefrelief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit AskDrLove.com slash griefrelief to find out more. Are you a business looking to expand across the USA? Ask Dr. Love broadcasts in five of the top 10 U.S. radio markets reaching 40 million listeners, offering you a unique opportunity to reach out to almost every adult listening group for a surprisingly reasonable rate. Everyone is concerned about their relationships. There is no other radio relationship advice show presented anywhere else in the USA. By advertising on Ask Dr. Love, your company can reach an audience that no other show touches. Visit AskDrLove.com and fill out the contact form to get in on this tremendous opportunity. Fill out the contact form at AskDrLove.com right now and get all the details. Will it be your company that gets to take advantage and grow your business? You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If you can't stop crying over the bodily loss of a loved one, Dr. Turndorf's international number one bestseller, Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased, shows you how to toss out the tissues and transform your grief into joy using her groundbreaking Dialoguing with the Departed technique that enables you to reconnect and even heal unfinished business with those in spirit. To find out more, visit AskDrLove.com. 
And now, back to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. I'm talking with Benjamin L. Bathin, my guest who's sharing with us the dirty truth on how antidepressants increase the risk of acts of violence. And Ben, you said you wanted to share some statistics. I, I would. I actually wrote down a couple of facts. So for those of you out there that aren't already familiar with this issue, the United States Food and Drug Administration has had four separate open hearings on the safety and efficacy of SSRI antidepressants. Those were held in 1991, uh, twice in 2004, and once in 2006. And so that's where this federal black box warning originated from in 2006. That's the last step before the FDA removes a product from the market. If you watch the videotapes of these hearings, there is a panel of FDA industry experts sitting in front of an audience and the audience members get up to discuss, you know, horrific acts of violence and suicide that their deceased family members committed while they were being treated with these substances. The FDA approved those substances anyway, and that is because of the financial influences that, that are prevalent throughout the medical industry. So, for example, Dr. David Dunner uh, from Washington State had a $32 million contract with Eli Lilly, the manufacturer of Prozac, at the same time that he was sitting on the panel at the FDA deciding whether or not Prozac would be approved, right? The other major fact is that the, a lot of people believe that funding for the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, a federal government agency, comes from their tax dollars, and that is, in fact, not true. Right, The FDA is largely funded by user fees. They've changed the laws so that the pharmaceutical companies that are having their products approved by the FDA are now providing 50 to 75% of the financial funding for the FDA. Right, So the pharmaceutical companies have generated so much money by doing this, they make $8 million a day just off the sales of Prozac, not a year, a day that they now are the largest financial contributor to Congress. They contribute more money than all Department of Defense contractors combined. And they simply outright bought the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. They bought the drug regulatory. These are facts. Overseen. These are facts. Yeah. Right. And uh, you are the guinea pig. <laughs> unfortunately. Right. And so patients are not taking these substances with their informed consent. If you haven't been told that multiple people have reported murdering their entire family and committing suicide by a firearm, uh, then, then you didn't give your informed consent to take that medication uh, because those are the records that are sitting in a database out in Bethesda at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration right now. So anyway, to get back to my story, uh, we finished off therapy in 2008 uh, under questionable circumstances. I decided my therapy's a, therapist is a nutcase. I'm tired of this. I'm leaving, right? And discontinue calling in for these therapy sessions. Go on about my life. Uh, go back on Lexapro in 2017. Uh, promptly develop akathisia and tardive dyskinesia. None of the doctors have any explanation for it. I don't have any explanation for it. Uh, I go through a six-month mental deterioration. But why uh, don't they know that these are side effects of the drugs you were taking? Well, one, akathisia and tardive dyskinesia have been deliberately excluded from the medication guide. So there is no way for a patient to know these facts. They do exist in the prescriber guide on the last page in small point font under a gigantic legal disclaimer with where the FDA says they've received thousands of reports of acute psychosis. But that couldn't possibly have anything to do with the fact that all the patients who developed acute psychosis did so right after they were prescribed Lexapro or Prozac. <laughs> right. oh. maybe they were already psychotic and it just happened to be a massive medical coincidence that spans not just the united states 
But every country that has a drug regulatory agency has issued warnings about these medications, right? The other major factor is that the pharmaceutical companies are financially subsidizing uh, educational programs for doctors, right? So psychiatrists are attending academic programs that are financially underwritten by companies like Eli Lilly, GlaxoSmithKline, Wyeth, and Allergan. Well, if they're financially funding the academic program, are they going to require an included course about akathisia and tardive dyskinesia? No, absolutely not. Or the predisposition, the, the tendency to violence? No. Absolutely not. No. Uh, Eli Lilly has gone to absolutely extreme lengths to conceal the fact that their product does uh, have a connection to violence. There was a case in the late 90s, uh, Joseph Weisbecker shot 20 people in a gravel pit that he worked at and then committed suicide shortly after being prescribed Prozac. When they did the trial, uh, the, the, they settled out of court suddenly, right? And it, uh, Eli Lilly went around telling everybody that Prozac had been exonerated. What came out 10 years later was that Eli Lilly had paid the surviving members of that mass shooting in excess of $20 million to simply stop testifying and withhold the remainder of the evidence. Oh, my gosh. Without the judge's knowledge. Wow. It's a, it's, this is, it's really horrible, you know. Um, I guarantee you, what do you want to bet? I've been censored before on YouTube. We're going out live right now on YouTube. What do you want to bet they take down this video, the recording? I'll, I'll, I bet you that's what's going to happen because oh, this, I, yeah. this I is serious. I to try to yeah. put this on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I can just tell you. I mean, we'll go out terrestrially. They won't stop us. That's the last free speech frontier. But um, we have to stop now. In okay. the last few seconds, please let everyone know how to find you. I'm sure you're compiling stories, right? So right. give your coordinates. And my door is open to you. If you want to come back, tell me what happens with your trial. My door is open to you. Right. So before we close, I've created two websites where you can see the statistics for yourself. Those are www.wrongfulssriconvictions.com and antidepressantstatistics.com. Antidepressant statistics pulls those stats directly from the FAERS database of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. And what I'd like you to do is contact the California Attorney General's office and ask the prosecutors there to tell the truth in federal court. They are legally required to. And this is important for your trial and for so many other people who have been caught in this very insidious, unlawful net. Right. And the, uh, you know, the key fact that I really have to put out there is the California Attorney General's office. Is I'm sorry that we have to end. I'm so to, sorry. Okay. I am so sorry. There's so much important things th to talk about. You'll come back. Okay. In the thank meanwhile, you so much I'm behind you 100%. And I'll see you next time. And Jerry, nice to see you in the studio. See everyone next time on Ask Dr. Love. You've been listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. Sign up for Dr. Jamie's newsletter at askdrlove.com and receive her meditation audio that will guide you to open your heart and chill out during these stressful times. 